Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. If you tuned in last week, you know that I had this exact same introduction to our podcast. I want to grow this podcast so I have more listeners, more followers, but I'm really not sure how exactly the best way to go about doing that is. Part of it is I need help from you, my loyal listeners, to give a five-star rating on whichever platform you happen to be tuning in on, and also to share it with your network so people that otherwise might not know about Left of Normal can tune in. It's actually pretty easy to do a five-star rating. I did it on Spotify. You have to listen to one or more episodes, so I put it on like 4x speed and listened to about 10 of them. And then I just gave myself a five-star rating. Anyway, those ratings help to boost it through the algorithm so more people happen to see them. Last week, we took a dive into empathy and sympathy. We looked at how the left of normal person understands these emotions, feels them, and processes them, but then doesn't really know quite how to display them. A lot of it's based on past experience of saying something that was intended to be helpful or to show that I care and I support the person, but ends up coming across as uncaring and only makes the situation worse. For example, somebody is crying and saying, OMG, it's terrible, my aunt just died. Me, not being extremely close to any of my aunts, can't really empathize or sympathize with that, so instead I just say, oh, okay, meaning something kind of along the lines of, dang, that sucks, thanks for opening up to me. Of course, I can't say, dang, that sucks, thanks for opening up to me, merely for the fact that I would probably sound like a robot and end up making things worse. So I say, oh, okay, and end up making things worse. So now I just tend to forego all words and just pat someone on the back with a broom and then run away very quickly before any further interaction is necessary. Today we're going a little different direction. I have two concepts that I want to talk about that I really can't find very much literature on how they affect specifically affect those with ASD or if people on the spectrum are even more effective or affected or differently affected than the normies out there. I can't find any scientific studies, and I didn't even find any anecdotal stories on this. So, this is groundbreaking. First of its kind, you heard it here first, folks. Or at least it's something that a half hour of Google searches really didn't turn up much about. Anyway, we're going to look at those two concepts, and then afterward, I'll let you know how some of the big-name speakers out there are using them to draw people into their talks and really influencing people just by using these principles. It's actually something any of us can do when we're speaking to any size of a group from one to a million people. So first, let's take a look at the Zygernik effect. And then after that, a little bit on procrastination. There are two things that affect all of us, no matter who we are or where we fall on the spectrum. 
Starting off, I got the inspiration for this from the Rob Dial podcast. Uh, for those who aren't in the know, I was originally tuned into this podcast, uh, referred to it by Shane Fichter. Uh, Shane is a mindset coach. He's big into this. Everyone needs to check him out. Follow his stuff. He's at Havoc Mindset, HavocMindset.com. He's all over Facebook and LinkedIn. Puts out a ton of great information out there for free. And if you know the free information is great, how much better is the paid for stuff going to be? Anyway, Shane listens to Rob Dial. He's told me about it. He's Rob Dial's called the Mindset Mentor. And I tune in on occasion. You might say I dial in, but I don't really dial anything. I just click some buttons on Spotify. Anyway, the podcast is its less than 20 minutes long. I don't know that I've seen one that's over 20 minutes. So you set the thing on one and a half speed, and you can actually get through an entire podcast in about you know 12 minutes, 13 minutes. They're short, punchy. They have good action steps. And I don't always listen. I don't listen daily. But I recently tuned into one, and he discussed this uh, Zygernik effect. No idea if I'm pronouncing that properly. Uh, Zygernik, it's Russian, Slavic kind of language, uh, somebody from back in the day. Uh, this scientist was named, last name Zygernik, and developed this theory. Anyway, it goes kind of like this. We tend to pay attention to incomplete items much more than we pay attention to completed items. So when I say items, I generally mean tasks here, but it doesn't just have to be tasks. And it's really not just paying attention, but we're focusing our energy and we're using up the limited resource of brain energy that we actually have. And ultimately, what ends up happening is these incompleted, unfinished tasks, unfinished items, they stress us out. So how's this play out? What's this look like? Here's a couple of examples. You come home from work, and you're kind of tired, you had a busy day, and there's no plan for dinner. It's stressful, it's irritating, and even if you haven't specifically consciously been tuning into this all day long, it was always there in your mind. And that's especially true if it's happened in the past which for most of us who hasn't gotten to the end of the day and then realized we don't have anything, much less do we have a plan for anything. But now what if you just had a simple weekly meal list? And even if it just says steak and potatoes for Monday night or whichever night of the week you want steak and potatoes, you haven't planned anything else out, you haven't figured anything else out, but all of a sudden, you're closing that incomplete item. You're finishing that task. The task was to plan dinner. It wasn't to actually make dinner. That's a fairly easy one to start and end. You don't generally start making dinner and not finish it. The task that gets incomplete in our minds that ends up sucking so much energy from us is the task of planning the dinner. So a simple plan earlier in the week can take all that focus off of there where you can redirect that energy somewhere else. Let's say you're at work and you have a project that hasn't been finished. It's still open-ended and it takes up a lot of focus. For me, when I'm stressed about something, when I feel that anxiety and that stress kind of creep on in, 
I look at all my projects that I have open, whether they're one-off things for this or for that I'm working on or they're regular things throughout the week. I look at them all and I say, which one do I need to close? Sometimes it's as simple as making that phone call that I've been dreading and putting off for a long time, or maybe it's just sending a reminder email or an invoice. But it's not all important work-related or planning your meals-related either. An unfinished TV show can actually divert our attention and create this disconnect in our minds. It's an unfinished story. Have you ever meant to say something to someone, you wanted to relay some information, or even just ask, ask them something, and then you forgot what you were going to say or ask? All of a sudden, now all you focus on is what you wanted to say, but you didn't, and you can't remember it either. You get stuck in this loop where you're trying to remember, trying to say something, but you can't remember. It's the Zygernicht effect, and it's sucking up all of your attention, and it's draining your limited focus and energy that your brain has. So let's look at the autism world, the ASD world. How's this look? Now, I... I personally have kind of slogged my way through this for years and years. And over time, I developed little tricks and tips that will help alleviate the mental anguish felt by these unfulfilled duties. And really, all it comes down to is my multiple to-do lists. I have on my to-do lists to make a to-do list. It's literally the first thing on my to-do list on Monday mornings. Actually, I, I call it plan the week, but part of that planning of the week is to make the week's to-do list. Now, sometimes I can't finish a project on the day I was expecting to finish it, and I have to move it over to the next day. In order to close things off and complete them so that I'm not mentally going through this checklist all night long and all the next morning of things to do, I make sure to physically write the project into the following day and then cross it off on the day that I was working on it. Now I've closed it for this day, it's done, and I can reopen it tomorrow where I either finish it or keep moving it on to the next day until it finally does get done. So my mind works in a way that I stack all these things up neatly and now I systematically just move through them. It's kind of like a Pez dispenser. Just shoots one out, on to the next. Open the little, tilt the head back, next task comes out. It greatly reduces stress, and it helps me expend energy just on the projects where I'm working, instead of fretting over all these unclosed ones or these, this unfinished business. So, that moves us into procrastination. Now, I believe the two are linked together, and the reason we procrastinate has a lot to do with the Zygernicht effect that has this unfinished business. When I look at my to-do list, sometimes it gets really big, and I stare at it for a minute, and it can be daunting. It can be a lot of things to get done that I don't feel will actually get done on time, and now I'm all of a sudden thinking I'm not going to get all of them done, so why even try to get one of them done? I start to worry about everything that's going on, and I end up just searching some funny memes instead of putting in the work to actually get it done. 
In other words, I procrastinate like everyone else. But now if you look at the psychology behind procrastination, why do we actually do this? It's heavily linked to anxiety, low self-esteem, and a lot of times other neurodivergencies like ADHD. We don't start a project or task because we're anxious about all the work that it's going to take. Or sometimes we don't start it because we don't feel we're even good enough to tackle this and it's not going to turn out very well, so I'm no good, why would I start this project in the first place? Instead, we do basically whatever it takes to put it off for as long as possible. And sometimes procrastinating on a task can mean working really hard on everything else except what you need to do. They're all little tasks, they're less important, they need to be done sometime, but they end up being easier than that big task we're procrastinating about. And so despite the fact that we're actually getting a lot done, we're not getting done what needs to be done. So we're not finishing that loop. We're not closing off those unfinished tasks. So have you ever gotten to the end of the day? You got a ton of things done. You, you were just busy all day long, just plowing through all these things. You're worn out and you think, what the heck did I do all day? I don't feel like I have accomplished anything. Really, that's where procrastination and the Zygerny effect have coincided. They've run together here because your brain knows which task needed to get done. And instead of focusing on that, you procrastinated with something easier or more fun or just overall less daunting. And even though those other tasks had to get done, they weren't the open-ended ones that needed resolution today. And so the end result is you feel like you've left, you've let yourself down because you didn't finish what was supposed to be done. So how do I use my spectrum-oriented mind to take care of this? Procrastination is still hard for me. It's hard for everybody. I don't think it ever gets easier, and nobody really has a firm grasp on this. However, I work from home. And there are tons of household things that I could do and actually still be productive, but they wouldn't be productive in the tasks that I need to accomplish and the things I need to get done. I also have a whole host of work tasks that need to be done, but they're not the ones I need to focus on right now. And in most cases, they're not the ones that are going to be making me mad stacks of cash. So I take a look at my big old to-do list, and then I pull out a piece of paper. I write down the most important task. And so when I'm looking at these things, and they all look just equally important, I give it a minute. And I figure out which one of these things is causing me the most stress. Which one is eating up my brain energy, even though I'm not specifically thinking about it. That task goes right up there at the top. Now, unless there's a deadline that I need to hit, that one gets done first. If something else has a deadline, it kind of moves it up in priority, obviously. Once I get that first one done, once I put that first one at the top of the list, now I go through the list, and the next one, and the next one, next to most important, so on and so forth. And then I just systematically, I work my way through those. Now, sometimes I do have to rearrange my second list, and so I just put numbers by them. I put a number one, obviously, by the first most important task on down to however many there are on the sheet of paper. And if tasks 
seven, eight, and nine don't get done, they move to the next day. They might be pushed down to numbers seven, eight, and nine again, depending on if other things are going on that day. Really packed weeks have a lot to do, a lot of to-do lists, and I constantly refine them to keep the top priority as the top priority. Okay, so at the beginning, I mentioned how I would fill you in on how some of these great orators use these concepts to keep their audience's attention. If you were paying attention throughout this whole thing, you probably actually figured it out by now. And if you weren't, your brain was probably working in the background trying to close out a task. Because the, I opened that task, I opened that idea that said, I will tell you this thing, but I haven't closed it yet. So I've ha you have this unfinished task that's open in your mind. So I'm not going to keep you stranded any longer. We'll close that thing off. All these big name speakers, from politicians to inspirational speakers to lecturers that are really good at their job, professors and teachers, they use the Zygernik effect to keep people engaged. We see it all the time on TV shows. You know, like at the end of the episode, it's like, oh no, something big has happened. This will totally throw off the entire series. But then you have to wait until the next episode or often the next season to discover what that big thing had, what the big thing was and what impact it's going to have. And so you're coming back time and again because of this unconscious, this, this desire to close off those unfinished tasks. Happens all the time in speeches, happens all the time whenever we're hearing it. Now that you're aware of it, you'll probably notice it more often. And now you can start using it as well. The next time you have an inspirational speech to give, which most of us don't have those that often, or maybe you just need to persuade an audience to do something. That audience can be an audience of one. Persuading your child to clean up his room can be that you open a task that won't be closed until his room is clean. For, for instance, you can say, I need you to clean your room, and when you're done, I have a surprise for you. You've opened that unfinished task. It doesn't have to be anything big. It could be just like a couple scoops of ice cream and watching a movie together. But now he strongly desires to close that task, to finish it, and the only way to do that is to clean the room. Today you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Please join the Facebook community. Feel free to ask any questions you have over there. And remember that most left of normals are highly organized and thrive on predictability. So to-do lists are incredibly important. And of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.